1: My mission is simple to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Cray America. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1 800 743 CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Last night, I warned you, I warned you that even if the Fed gave us what we wanted today, the market still might sell off, at least in part. Sure enough, when Fed Chief Jay Powell announced a quarter point rate cut, Wall Street's immediate reaction was pure suspicion. Oh, he doesn't have his heart in the rate cut. He's not as worried as he should be. He's being dragged kicking and screaming to this rate cut because things are weaker overseas, not here. And that's why the averages initially got hammered before the market finally came to its senses later in the afternoon. Dow only closing up 36 points, s not be advancing 0.03 percent. NASDAQ declining just 0.11 percent. Look, I get it. The U.S. economy does have a lot of strength. It does. Uh, the rest of the world does have a lot of weakness. So we got what pundits were calling a hawkish cut. Oh, they're so clever, isn't it? Meaning it's the last rate cut or maybe the penultimate rate cut. Apparently that wasn't enough for some money managers. So, what do these Uber bulls want that they were so disappointed, bid day? Well, they wanted to be surprised. They wanted Powell to tell us that he's enthusiastic about easing and it'll find a way to strong arm the other Fed officials who voted against the cut. In other words, the bulls wanted Bill Belichick, Fed chief, okay? Uh, Let's get this done. Do your job, chairman, who won't let up until he wins. Right on the neck, the juggler, the juggler. They want Powell to say he has the president's back in the trade war and he won't allow the economy to falter and that he's just adjusted for his first half stumbling and now he's got the rate-cut mojo. Yeah, they were hoping for a fist-pumping Fed chief, a fire-breathing Fed chief, a chest-pumping Fed chief. Oh, uh, I I, I wonder, have these people ever heard j Powell speak? I mean, (laughs) chest-pumping Fed chief? He's a straight-laced, orthodox Fed chief. He's not about talking the market up. I think we're lucky with that he did not go all Jim Mora and say, What's that about rate cuts? Don't talk to me about rate cuts. You're kidding me? Rate cuts? I hope we can avoid a recession. So let me tell you what's really going on here. First, the Fed did cut rates because they see very little inflation and looming decline in economic growth, courtesy of the trade war. That's good. After the panickers dumped the stock and you saw them, oh, they were in there just throwing you. Steve Leach was asking questions in there. Sell, um, Smart buyers did come in then, though, and they did pretty darn well Bu- for themselves. Second, the worry, pal Express, well, It's real. It's not acting. I mean, the industrial economy is already slowing. And given that there will be almost certainly be more tariffs, well, we can expect it to keep decelerating. In other words, he's not asleep at the wheel. He's not asleep at the combine. He may even be cognizant of his surroundings. Third, when the economy gets weaker, Powell will take action again. That's not what the Super Bowls wanted to hear. They were hoping the Fed would take a coordinated approach with the White House in order to offset any pain from the trade war with China. They wanted preemptive action before we get more weakness. Basically, they were hoping Powell would be symmetrical. Late last year, he tightened repeatedly in order to get out ahead of the potential inflation that he saw coming. No one else did. Why can't he approach rate cuts the same way? Well, let me give you another coaching lesson, this time from the late, great Danny Green. Jay Powell, he is who we thought he was. I mean, the Fed hasn't had a symmetrical approach to this stuff in more than 40 years. Ever since the Paul Volcker era, they've been more worried about stamping out inflation than preventing economic weakness. Jay Powell's very much fits in that tradition. He's not going to apologize. He's not going to wake up one morning as a totally new person with totally new priorities. So if you were tempted to sell stocks because Powell didn't give you precisely what you want today, well, you need to adjust your expectations. He's a sensible guy. He's a lawyer turned investment banker. I'm pretty sure he doesn't end every Fed meeting by asking everyone to huddle up and break on three with more rate cuts by the same token you're not going to see a sly J. pal in a hoodie making some snarky comments about how contra president trump he doesn't feel like a bonehead you see when they ask him about hey how do you feel like being called a bonehead where do they get these guys if you were expecting him to snipe at the president of the united states you may have an overactive imagination the man is a professional for heaven's sake he's not like me How do we put an end to all this craziness? Look, I'm not asking Powell to go full Benjamin Disraeli, never complain, never explain, but he's created a monster with these press conferences. The truth is, he doesn't have a lot to say beyond the Fed statement anyway. That's a good thing. He should just release the statement. Otherwise, we're going to keep watching our Fed chief get treated like a gentleman by the press as one reporter after another tries to trip him up. I listen to the questions and everyone in the press seems to try to get a crack at him. I mean, I I thought I was waiting for some college reporters, maybe even a high school editor in chief to take a shot at the guy. Uh, Why the heck does he do this to himself? Why just sit there and and call on everyone like a kindergarten teacher? Why would he subject himself to that? I have expected someone to say, I mean, uh, Mr. Chairman, when did you stop beating Janet Yellen? Please, Chairman Powell, don't do this to yourself, and don't do it to us. Forget the press conferences. No one's that much of a masochist. Oh, of course, this market speaks with forky tongue. There's a camp that's thrilled we finally put this meeting in a rearview mirror. They went back to doing their business. Earlier today, Wedbush pushed out a positive note about the new iPhone. It has massive pre-orders, so the buyers swarmed into Apple. Uh, and congratulations, we've got to say, to Steve Dowling, remarkable person who's helped us tremendously. 16 years as Investor Relations retired today. Remarkable job. Fantastic through all sorts of turmoil. I wish him the best of luck. We all do. And then we also got other people buying the bank stocks because there's a chance Powell's rate cuts may put an end to this artificially inverted yield curve. And at the same time, he's committed to preventing the economy from slipping into a credit ru- ruining recession. Yet PAL's not planning to slam his foot on the gas pedal. He's just gently tapping it to make sure the economy doesn't slow down too much. And that works for the banks. I love a market that's led by the financials. That's a sign of health. If you only remember one thing from tonight's show, remember that the banks rallied. That's extremely positive. I think it should carry us through the rest of the week when we probably start the guessing game all over again about the recession, whatever, because Powell's not omnipotent. There are other members of the Federal Open Market Committee, and seven of them have said that they don't want any more cuts or don't like the cut or whatever, because they don't even tell us what they're really saying. Still, Powell has a say, uh, and he, all he needed to do is say everyone's flexible, things get bad. In the end, our sober Fed chief isn't taking anyone's bait. He didn't apologize. He didn't belittle the president. He came out and did about what you'd expect him to do, maybe Powell should get an acting coach or at least a little media training, so we can learn to smile and and intone, and even periodically, I mean, laugh. I mean, laugh, you know. I mean, but if you're waiting for him to do that, don't hold your breath. Here's the bottom line: the Federal Reserve just gave us a soporific quarter point rate cut, an automaton-like 25 basis point slice, a predictable two bit haircut. You're not going to get more than that from Jay Powell unless something has gone seriously wrong with the economy. Is that boring? Yeah, no kidding. But boring is good in the Fed Chief. Janet Yellen was real boring. It was wonderful. And incredibly, Pal may just be even more boring than she was. Scott in Florida. Scott! ya, Jim. How you doing? Well, I'm doing a little fist pump in honor of the Fed Chief. What's going on with you? I'm just down here dodging some hurricanes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I think you dodged one. What's going on, my friend? Hey Jim, I've held about a 12 to 15 percent portfolio position with uh, Schlumberger in my Roth IRA over the past few years. I'm 51 years young,
2: and I'm down about 45 to 50 percent in the house of pain. And I'm just curious, in your opinion. Should I just hold on to it? Well, no, here's what I did the other day. Mm -hmm. But Chapel Mm -hmm. Trust
1: owns it mistakenly and we bought it. I've known the company since 1982 and uh, we just decided to take a little bit of a loss. Uh, It does have a good yield. The new management's good. But you know what? I think these stocks are dead in the water and nothing's going to change my mind anymore. So I told you what ActionAlertsPlus.com club members did. I I told them to do. Uh, We sold some. Let's go to Phyllis in New York. Phyllis!
3: Oh, Jim, it is such an honor to be speaking to you. I can't tell you how excited I am. Oh, you're nice, and Phyllis. Thank all you. for all the good advice that I've taken from you. Thank you. Jim, my largest holding is Wendy, W-E-N and I've been doing so well with it. Every time I have some extra cash, I just put it into more Wendy stock. I, I call it my stock savings account. And uh, I was really thrilled when a short time ago on CNBC, they spoke of a survey that was taken to find the best uh, f- uh, fast food mm-hmm. restaurant serving chicken, Okay, their chicken. And I was so excited, I almost jumped through the TV, they recorded well, Wendy is number one, but I wasn't surprised well, because I'm also a customer there.
1: Okay, well, let me tell you, I think Wendy's is great stock with Terrific management. I want you to hold on to it. Don't get too, don't put all of your assets in that, but they're really great. And my wife likes the double cheese baconator. And you know, you got to work out for nine hours after you have that and take five Lipitor with it. It's really a great thing. John in Mississippi, John. Hey, good evening, Jim. Um, I'm Dow Chemical. I'm wondering what's going on. Did they overprice well, it, it when they. It, you know, look, it, one of the. The numbers are always perpetually too high with Dow Chemical. And it's got a linkage to oil that's not so great. Jim Finnerly's doing a good job, but I got to tell you, that's a tough road to hoe Dow Chemical. All right, PAL's not taking the bait, people. Call it predictable if you want boring even, but that's what he wants it to be. Oh man, tonight, why competition is everything when it comes to Adobe and FedEx. Then, i got the CEO of Agco to find out the latest addition to its lineup can sow seeds for profits. <laughs> and if you're looking to get a real pulse on the overall health of the uh, tech market, there are few companies that are as good as tech data to do it. So I'm talking to the CEO. I want you to stick with Kramer. I'm Graham Bunn, so excited to introduce you to Country Shine, where we're talking all things
4: country music.
3: That's right, and I'm Cameron Irwin, co-host and resident country girl at Tinseltown, here to welcome you to the family. Every Tuesday, we'll update you on the latest in country music, culture, and community.
2: And on Fridays, I'll bring on country musicians and all the biggest names in the
1: game.
3: It's a gathering, and we want you here.
1: You can listen to Country Shine with me, Graham Bun, for
2: free right here on Spotify.
1: to start worrying about the e-commerce space? Last night, we had uh, not one, uh, but two calls that made you feel like maybe it's getting too tough to be in this business, that it's getting too much competition, at least in terms of predicting where the business is going. I mean, I'm talking about FedEx and Adobe. Wow. Now, if you listen to both conference calls after their quarters, you know it's ridiculously unfair for me to lump Adobe in with FedEx. Adobe delivered a generally solid quarter. We had Shannon and Ryan on, the CEO. They just made some missteps in their customer experience management business, especially the parts of the business they got when they acquired Marketo last year. Plus, their bookings were a little light. Consulting services disappointed. Sure, the headline numbers were, were strong. But there were some areas of weakness that prevented the company from raising its forecast. Instead, they trimmed it ever so slightly. While Adobe's arguably the cheapest of the big cap clouds plays, the stock sells for nearly 29 times next year's earnings estimates. And it's not like it's an incredible bargain. If management can't address these booking problems by their analyst meeting on November 4th, I think the price earnings multiple might be hard to maintain. Hence why the stock dipped 5 bucks today but was down a lot more at one point. So Adobe's basically a healthy company that stumbled on a couple of line items. I think you buy the stock Into weakness ahead of that conference. FedEx, on the other hand, this was a total meltdown. From start to finish, stock fell 22 bucks or 12.9%. Sheesh. Why the obliteration? In part, it's because this great company can't predict what will happen to worldwide commerce, seeing as we've got no clarity whatsoever on the trade war with China, which is a big, big place for FedEx business. FedEx CEO, the super smart Fred Smith, was openly bemoaning how tariffs are slowing down the whole global economy. And we're next. Thank heavens Jay's listening. Jay Powell, not Jay Leno. I'm not usually confused. Look, I support the trade war. We need to crack down on China's unfair practices. But there's a cost to that. And Smith's not wrong when he points out that, for example, Germany's weak because China's weak. And remember, FedEx is in all these areas. It's a truly international, triumphant company that I'm proud of. That said, FedEx reported a huge shortfall, also slashed Slashian's guidance for good measure. And the analysts believe that there was more to do with execution than Smith is willing to admit. There was open rebellion on this conference call, the type of criticism you only hear when the analysts feel that they've been completely hosed by management's poor forecasting and definite suboptimal execution. And that's why the stock was pummeled. My view, I want to be more forgiving. FedEx is in an impossible position. Their chief competitors, UPS, DHL, the post office, Amazon, constantly innovating, tough guys. FedEx is trying to fight all four of them on every front, and it's costing them a fortune. Plus, the company dropped the last bit of its Amazon business, which is surprisingly profitable for now, but at a big cost down the road, given what Amazon's asking for. While this is only a small piece of the, the pie, for FedEx, only 1.3% of the company's total revenue. In the near term, Smith says it means his earnings will take a meaningful hit, and that did come as a bit of a shock. I thought that was not so great. When you combine the Amazon surprise, the amount of money FedEx is shelling out for capital expenditures, the higher labor costs experienced experiencing this country, and the company's overall inability to fully integrate its European business and be able to predict anything, you can understand why the analysts were furious. But i got a different takeaway. I mean, everyone's got that consensus view. I'm taking something different here. I think what's happened is the competition for e-commerce, no matter where it is, whether it be software, whether, whether it be freight, has gotten very intense, ultra intense, whether it's Adobe's digital marketing software versus, say, Salesforce or FedEx's shipping versus UPS. For example, as Heather Bellini, who's an excellent analyst from Goldman Sachs, wondered on the Adobe call, maybe there's just some competition to the Marketo end of the business that's causing problems. In her shoes, I probably wouldn't have been as diplomatic and just asked sales Salesforce was gunning for him. Sure seems like that's the case. And if you're running a business, the last thing you want is serious competition. Now, I think FedEx may have the same problems. The rivals may be cherry-picking the good parcels and leaving FedEx to deliver on the lots that are less profitable. At the same time, the global economy is slowing down when it was ramping up to, when FedEx was ramping up to meet worldwide e-commerce demand, that's now no longer materializing, because of the softness of the world's economies. Both business to business and consumers are issues for FedEx. The former because of a slowdown in the industrial economy, the latter because it's just too darn expensive to get it right. But with FedEx and Adobe getting hammered today, I want to be a little gentle about their misses, unlike all the other jackals. The fault is not in themselves. In this case, it's in their stars, specifically the competition in an ever-evolving e-commerce world that makes it incredibly difficult to forecast how well you're going to do. It's this competition that fell both FedEx and Adobe at the same time, although one obviously fell a lot harder than the other. They have money's back after the break. Do you think my combine's sexy? We're talking agriculture, farm equipment, everything you need to know with Martin Rieschenagin, the CEO of Agco. Stay tuned.
5: Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Need an escape? Drop into Pluto TV for a world of free TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yeah, free. No subscriptions, no fees.
1: Imagine 24-7 channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge-worthy TV shows, the latest news, live sports, comedy, and more. What are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, or Fire TV and start watching now. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch
4: free. The trade war may have farmers feeling uncertain. But consumers need agriculture as much as investors need returns. Is this stock a fertile way for home gamers to invest in the American heartland?
1: Even though the president for the moment has been de-escalating the trade war rhetoric We've got a new round of talks with China coming later this week. We also know that it could flare up again at any moment. I keep telling you that the United States is in much better shape than China, especially with the Fed's quarter point rate cut today. But there are still some sectors that tend to be caught in the crossfire. And you know which one really is just front and center? agriculture. That's why a stock like Deere substantially lagged the S&P 500 year-to-date. But some of the ag plays have been able to defy this gravitational pull, like Agco, the big maker of farming equipment, with a stock that's up more than 35% for the year. How do they do it? Agco's smaller, it's more nimble, and most important, it has a lot less U.S. exposure, uh, 20% of sales versus Deere, more than 50%. Yet, this company is thriving in a challenged global environment, and we want to know why. So we have invited Martin Rieschenhagen. He's the chairman and CEO of Agco Corp to come on over. And this time he's decided to show, not just tell. Bring along some fabulous new hardware. Look at that combine. Mr. Rieschenhagen, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to see you, Martin. How are you?
0: Thank you very
1: much. Okay, now, Martin. Great
0: th- up we're dead with the weather. You control everything. Well, no, I do control it. Well, <laughs> the,
1: well I do have that uh, magical power. Yes. Now, look at behind me. Is something that is really what people are thinking about right now they're not really thinking about us so please before we even get started what the heck is this thing
0: this is a combine harvester and it this basically is a cut little factory on wheels it's cutting it's cleaning it's threshing it's doing the whole job and at the end you have a pure corn the purest one in the industry no dirt in it no stones nothing well
1: okay so the reason why I this is emblematic is what I see that you've been doing is you've been reinventing the company. Some of these analysts have been saying, well, you know what, this is just a combination of brands. This is like no other machine, right? Yes,
0: we we had the opportunity. Messi Ferguson invented the self-propelled combine years ago, centuries ago, and so we decided to do something completely new and to reinvent the combine because we want to differentiate ourselves, and uh, that is how you can gain market share also in difficult markets like the US. How much does this cost? About $850,000. That's all? If you bought it now, I'm, you have a deal for eight hundred. I don't know,
1: man. I could and use one And then I leave these. it here. That's actually not that expensive. The reason I say that is because if it's a technological marvel, how many machines does this replace? It would replace maybe,
0: I would say something like four uh, conventional conventional smaller ones. That's incredible.
1: Now, tell me about how things are doing, because you've got a great European presence. Latin America's been going well. Your diversity really does explain how some of these economies
0: are doing better than others. I think this is the advantage, and that is by purpose, that we always wanted to be globally diverse. And so that means one market is doing better than the others, and in history we figured out that always was the case. So Europe is doing slightly better, uh, South America might come back, now the U.S. is suffering a little bit. We are pretty much on schedule in the U.S., we are fine. Uh, so uh, we will make our guidance, hopefully.
1: You do have some small Asia-Pacific,
0: how's that doing? Uh, well, actually we lost our, our uh, we, we basically did build uh, tractors, small right. tractors. We brought to the U.S. We had to change that. They come now from South America because
1: of the of the, of tariffs. the tariffs, wow. and so okay. and that
0: did hit us a little bit. So we lost quite some volume in the right. factory, but we uh, we think we can uh, replace that through domi- domestic Chinese. So there's business. an
1: example. That you've been in- ingenious, been able to make it so that you still beat your quarters even though you have a tariff you had a
0: tariff. Issue. My idea was, let's say, with all the unrest and the uh, kind of disruptive influence you get from all over the world, uh, my idea was to be independent and to fix things we can do on our own and to improve things. So we are pretty much on a, we are very focused on margin improvements. And so uh, that works uh,
1: very well so far. Now, we had uh, Speaker Pelosi on last night. Farmers in each country are cherished. Why is it that there's ever any cyclicality? I mean, can't the government subsidize the farmers if they run into a, a problem in a trade war?
0: I, I think subsidies in, in general go down. Okay. The American farmers are getting some more subsidies than usual. Normally they only do have crop insurance. Okay. We have a great Secretary of Agriculture, our former governor of Georgia, who knows us, we are in Atlanta, and he does the right things. He's maybe the best guy in the whole administration. He knows that, let's say, trade barriers and tariffs are not perfect. Business likes free trade. And so he is very very supportive because the American farmers lost most of their corn, beans, pig, and chicken business in China. That's incredible. That's a yeah. huge market. I'm, I'm, I'm almost sure that the president didn't know that so well you mean? It wasn't that firm. It was yeah. That they would react like this. Okay. I okay. think it was a surprise. Maybe, maybe not. I don't no, know. No, I but, think it really escalated everything. Yeah, I yeah, think he yeah. didn't
1: think that they would just go right yeah, after. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was incredible. Now, the whole time that we've been talking, in the years that we've been talking, you always had more faith. The analysts always, now the analysts are coming in. They all yeah, like it. Yeah. But you bought, in five years, you went from, from 93 million shares to 76 million shares. You bought the whole time, and it turned out to be... You, yeah, yeah, you gotta I, buy it. I,
0: I bought and oh. earned, of course, of, also, so to say. I'm close to owning a million, so all included. You own a million, yes, Really? Yes. Well,
1: let's you know, sell a lot of these. Yeah. Okay, so let's 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 just go down and kind of lightning around fashion. How's Russia doing? Russia is okay.
0: Okay. Uh, so the problem with Russia is it has by far more potential than it's really showing. Right. Uh, and and people, let's say. Uh, what, what, what is good is you, you can now own land privately, so it right. means farmers can securitize investments. So that's slightly better, but it's still slow and it's difficult. We have a very good joint venture partner there, so therefore we, I think we are growing uh, uh, step by step. Brazil. Brazil is okay, a lot of pressure in the marketplace still, uh, unsecurity, uh, the government, p- p- farmers are okay. not really confident about the new president so much while in general I think they support him. Germany. Germany is doing pretty pretty well, of course, the German farmers are still also, uh, they, they think about Brexit, and they think yeah. about, let's say, now the, the new trade agreement the EU does with the Mercosur country, will now product come in, cheap chicken from Mexico, and things like that, so they're always a little nervous, so when you talk to a German farmer, he would never tell you, I'm doing very
1: well, so they would always <laughs> only complain, that's their mindset. Well, look, I don't want to bury the lead, this is a technological marvel, it will probably, I would bet, take share from competitors. And by the way, these are not metal. No. Okay, they look like they're metal, but they're yeah. new composites that snap right back. And you and I will take this on I-95 after. We'll just take a spin. Can we do that? I can tell you the
0: great thing. This thing works fully automatic. So that means you don't have to be an expert anymore. It's user-friendly, and that's what we want it to be. High-tech, but not in a way that you need to be an engineer in order to to operate
1: it. Well, then, I'll, look, I'm going to take it for a spin, maybe without... Even without Caleb, the guy who knows how to use yeah. it, I can do it myself. Believe me. All right, that's Martin Rees and He's the chairman, and president, and CEO of Ico, a winner all the way. that Money's back after the break. Thank
0: you.
4: Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with squawk on the street. Live from Post Nine at the NYSE.
1: Um, I bet she doesn't even have a card. I bet she's not a member. How much you want to bet he's not a member? I'll, I'm. Do you, I will agree. With you have a regular. Not have a Costco no. card. You don't have a Costco card. Big things. I don't need a seven pound thing of ketchup. You need twelve houses, dude.
4: It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern.
1: How are you, Jay? Can we take this thing for a ride? Let's do it. Plus, <laughs> I think you'll like this room. Oh my goodness. Jay Leno's
2: Garage. All new tonight, 10 Eastern. CNBC. Get yours.
1: When the Fed gave us that beautiful quarter-point rate cut earlier today, they mentioned that business investment had weakened since their last meeting in July. I've told you this before. Our consumer economy is solid, but our business economy is more, let's call it a mixed bag. For a while now, the bears have been salivating over the idea of a possible corporate investment slowdown, especially slowdown in tech spending, which has been elevated for years. If you're an executive and you think we're headed for a recession, maybe you cut back on your technology budget, protect your margins. But here's the thing. If the bears are right, then how the heck did tech data? One of the world's largest wholesale distributors of technology products and services reports such a fabulous quarter three weeks ago. This company's a gigantic supermarket of technology, certainly with high skills, and their numbers were so incredible that the stock surged nearly 16% single session, flying from 81 to 95, and now it's at 103. I wouldn't be surprised if it's got more upside. Do not take it from me. Let's dig deeper with Rich Hume, and Rich is the CEO of Tech Data. We've got to find out more about his company's doing. said. Mr. Hume, welcome back to Man Money. Good to see you. To see have you. a seat. Okay, let me, having let, you back. Absolutely. Let me ask I appreciate you Appreciate it. How come, in the midst of all this Sturm and drang, and people saying that we probably have a recession, worldwide things doing badly, every geography that you had reported better than expected. How's that possible?
2: Well, I'll tell you. We we are privileged to uh, have a very wide and broad portfolio from a couple of dimensions. First, geographic mm-hmm. uh, diversity. Second is uh, product portfolio that bridges from the PC ecosystem to the most sophisticated data centers. And third, we have 125,000 customers, mostly concentrated towards SMB. Right. So we find that to be a really good market right now.
1: Now, the small medium-sized business typically should be more worried than they are. But it seems like that they're spending, uh, maybe because I,
2: yeah, when I go on
1: your website, you do you have good prices.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, anecdotally, uh, we believe that SMB is much stronger than large enterprise yes. at this point in time, and we're taking advantage of that. And, again, it's the diversity of 125,000. And, oh, by the way, in tech, something is always hot. Right. So, you know, we have a flexible sales force that's able to move to where the demand is. Quite quickly and take advantage of that.
1: But I don't know about maybe everything's hot. You call out software, services, networking, hyperconverged technology, PC, security. These are all good. How's yeah. that? That's not bad.
2: No, that's right. Uh, so we we're, we're again privileged to represent the best of the best in our portfolio, so we have excellent vendor relationships. Mm-hmm. And even within those big categories, something is hot. So the categories are large enough, and the portfolio is large enough to take advantage.
1: Sometimes, Rich, I think that you're the only one that has conviction. You were in there buying stock the whole time. People were fretting. You were buying.
2: Oh, we're very confident in our company and where we're going. So, yes, uh, we, we like our future, and we like what we see. So, uh, you know, our board authorized, starting uh, last October... Over uh, three different authorizations, about a half a billion dollars, and we've actually acquired back 275 million at the close of our last quarter. So we like our stock.
1: Well, you should, and I think that what happens, people should understand when you buy back stock as aggressively as you have, when you get good news, you see what happens. You get that spike. Now, you're doing a lot of things right. You're investing next generation investments, strengthened end-to-end portfolio, transfer to digital, optimizing global footprint. How do these turn into higher earnings per share?
2: So, Jim, it's our point of view that digital transformation is the big market mover. And it will go, we're in the second or third inning here. This is going to go for a decade, right? And oh, by the way, when you, when, you, when you back it with 5G in the future, it really is going to go to a new and different level. So there's great opportunities there. But, you know, we're very focused on cloud, uh, analytics, IoT, mm-hmm. security, and services. And we believe that those are the growth areas for the future uh, moving forward.
1: Now, I want people to understand when you have all the, you know, 100,000 clients, it isn't like you can, this, you're not Best Buy. You don't go and look up for something, a chip. Uh, You you don't go and find a Western Digital chip for the individual, right? I mean, I want people to understand that. This is much more high level.
2: Absolutely. So, you know, we uh, uh, participate with our business partners in the most uh, uh, complex data center deployments. So we can go all the way from the PC ecosystem all the way up to the cloud, the hybrid cloud, and all of the new technologies uh, within the data center.
1: Now, you also talked about Huawei. I mean, you have some representation of Huawei. I think it's chiefly Europe, I guess, but it sounds like that it, things are okay. I mean, I listen, when someone mentions Huawei, my ears perk up. I say, okay, we're going to hear that this is the destruction of all capitalism. But you just kind of treat it as like business
2: as usual. Yeah, so we uh, represent Huawei in Europe, and we're, uh, we focus on their mobility portfolio. And if you go take a look at the... Uh, the results in Europe, Huawei is quite a participant in the in the in the mobile uh, cell phone space.
1: Yeah, it seems like that uh, the ideologically, uh, Huawei is an enemy here. But in Europe, I mean, you have Huawei; they're actually taking share from Nokia and Ericsson. The Europeans seem to be a little agnostic about where they buy something.
2: It seems that way. Uh, you know, the demand remains strong for uh, that mobility in total in Europe, and that's uh, a piece of it for sure.
1: So what do you think? You you must be listening. You hear the same downbeat stuff. I have recession, people worried. You look at your order book every day. It is broader than almost any other company. You're just not seeing that, are you?
2: No. You know, we on the average uh, ship and bill about $150 million each working day. And so, again, you know, we move to where the demand is, and we are blessed to have a very broad portfolio. So we have the opportunity of really moving to where the demand is in the market.
1: All right, one last question. How do you ship your stuff to your clients? Because I'll tell you where I'm going This with this. You use, uh, what kind of shipping company?
2: So uh, we use a, a variety of shipping right. companies, and, you know, our, our supply chain is very efficient. We'll right. even do a lot of drop ships from our okay. vendor to our, our business partner right to the end users.
1: Okay, it's important because I listened to FedEx last night, and I kind of wanted to slip my wrist, it was so downbeat. But you make me feel like, and this is something I've talked about on the show, that maybe before you jump to the conclusion that things are bad, you should look at how tech data is doing, because you have a very big panoply of everything.
2: Yep, we just keep focused on uh, our strategy and our execution, and we see lots of good opportunities in the market.
1: I wish you were a coach in the NFL. I'd be betting with your team. That's Ritz Hume, CEO of Tech Data. They did everything right, and they believed in themselves, and therefore they made a lot of money for shareholders. Made have money back in the brain. It is time! It's over the Light Rail. It's over to the Light Rail. the Light Rail. It's over to the the Light Rail. And then the Light Rail over. Are you ready? Ski, dad. over the Light Rail. It's over to the start with Bill. In New York. Bill!
3: Hi, Jim. How's it going? I am
1: doing well. How about you? Doing well. Uh My question has to do with trade desk.
2: Uh it's down 30% from the July high. This week it's been trading silos mostly. Um, would you recommend trimming, getting tight, or getting the heck
1: out? And what was the stock? Train Desk. Oh, I think Train Desk is oversold. I mean, remember, this is one of those stocks, part of this whole cohort that people have been giving up on. I haven't given up on it, but you have to understand, it is very volatile. Let's go to Chuck in Arizona. Chuck. Hey, uh, greetings, Dr. Kramer. This is good luck. Chuck from Phoenix. Uh, how about some thunder to go with the lightning round today? Thunder. Oh, oh, wait, you know. Okay. Um, I'm looking for your advice on holding Dynex uh for the short term or the long term. Tens. But- That's <laughs> the tens. I like the device. Let me do some work on the stock. I like the device. That's not enough to be able to say I like the stock. And everyone should know that. I need to go to oh sorry if I mispronounced this. Ochicho in Virginia.
3: Ochicho. Hey, Jim, we're just here from Virginia. Hey, Jim, I'm calling about um, General Electrics. What do you think about it? Is I, it a am, th- I or- am a big
1: believer in Larry Culp. I don't think that this is a year that going to happen. I do think that by next year at this time, it will be higher. A lot of people don't have that kind of patience. I am urging that patience. Larry Culp doing a great job. GE. Let's go to Tim in Virginia. Tim. Hi, Jim. Tim, I'm what's looking up? looking at
4: health insurance innovations. It looks undervalued. Is a
1: value buy? What the heck is that stock doing down there, five times earnings? When I see something at five times earnings, I have to make calls. That is too cheap. Usually things don't get that cheap unless something is not right. So we'll have to check it out for you. How about we go to Ashwin in California? Ashwin.
3: Hey, hey Jim. Thanks for taking my call, and thanks for all your uh, expertise. uh... My my discussion bill was uh, Micron
1: MU. I like uh, Micron. I... I saw Goldman said some uh, positive ah, things, fuck. but then tried to mute the commentary. But I've liked it since the 30s, and I want the CEO to come back on. This company is American Marvel Innovation. Jim in New York. Jim. Hello, Jim. How are you? I am do doing real well, Jim. How about you?
0: I'm good, thanks. I'm very good. I I'm calling about a stock that I uh, that I that I bought about ten dollars and. Uh, Made a little money on, but sold half my position okay. and snapped. Went Look, I think you did, think you last, did that perfectly. You...
1: Now you let the rest run. If they have another good quarter, the stock can go to 18-19. That last quarter, people really got surprised by. Uh, and my hat's off to those guys. They should come on. They probably despise me, but I don't care. I'm a forgiving fella. I'm like Gandhi. All right, let's go to Jack in Ohio, please. Jack.
3: Love your show, Jimmy. Thanks hey, nice for your help
1: again. I'm looking to add a dividend income stock to my holding, National Fuel Gas Company, NFG. I have always liked National Fuel Gas, and I am going to endorse it now. I think that's a great idea. You know, I have a... St- you remember my pecking orders, American Electric Power, then Dominion, and then Con Ed. But NFG's good stock. I like it. Let's go to Angelo in California. Angelo! Angelo? Angelo! I get through with this what angelo you got kramer yeah uh um, sock yeah my wife and i in our early 80s and just about all of our savings for the past four or five years have been invested in a cost of an apple of an apple 10 well i mean here's the problem that's that's unbelievably right and i like those stocks so much But I also think that you've got maybe, I don't want you to have all of your money riding on those two. Uh, Bernstein downgraded Costco tonight. I think that will be ill-advised. But if you can make sure that you have enough cash for your needs, I'm fine with those two stocks. i do like more diversification, though. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round!
4: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
1: I know when it's safe to start circling back to a formerly red hot group that's gotten very very cold, and that's the question I keep asking myself about the marijuana stocks. After a phenomenal bull run driven by Canada's move to legalize weed, the whole cannabis cohort peaked earlier this year, and since then it's been kind of a let's say an unbearable house of pain. Last year, the pot stocks were judged based on their grand plans for the future, but now that the market sobered up. Investors are more focused on the cold hard numbers. Yet even the highest quality marijuana names like Cronos Group, Canopy Group. Yeah, cannabis growth. They've been hammered. Take Kronos. It's a vertically integrated cannabis producer with medical marijuana licenses all over the world and a rapidly growing recreational business in the places where it's legal. Thanks to a $1.8 billion investment from Altria, Kronos has a massive war chest, second only to cannabis, which means they're in a great position to take market share. And the company's latest quarter was good as robust top and bottom line beat, but it's profit. But at the end of the day, this is still a super expensive stock that's in the early stages of the growth story, which is why I think it keeps falling like the rest of the group, down from 25 in March to just under 11 today. So let's take a closer look with Mike Gornstein. He's the chairman, president and CEO of Kronos Group to get a better read on what lies ahead for the company, specifically for the cannabis industry and for his company, of course. Michael, good to see you, sir. Hey, How are nice. you? Have a seat. Great, All right. So get your first time along. give me a state of the state here, because, look, you've got the best brand name. This is the most recognizable brand name. You've got a secular tailwind. At the same time, there's vaping. At the same time, there seems to be uh, a lot too much hot money got in the stocks. Give me your overarching formula, and then we can get a sense of where you're going.
5: Sure. So, uh, Kronos, we're, we're differentiated. We are category agnostic but cannabinoid specific. Okay. And, you know, while most companies really historically have been focusing on supply, we, we focus on innovation and, and the consumer. And so when we think of supply chain, we really look at partnering with experts, uh, other farmers, to source ingredients. But then we can make products like these that you know, really differentiate with the consumer. So
1: this is an asset light situation.
5: You're not trying to grow as much pot as possible. That's right. We, we follow the same model that's made companies in the consumer packaged goods industries successful and in, in pharmaceuticals, focusing really on IP and brands.
1: Okay. Now, you also made a commitment to vaping. I don't know. I mean, vaping was... Around for ages, and then suddenly, I think the jewel guys have made it so that vaping's become controversial. Where do you think we're going with that?
5: Well, I think you know, I think that there's certainly differences between the nicotine vaping space and the cannabis uh, vaping space. So we we're looking at uh, when we segment the consumer need state, we're looking at specific occasions and. You know, We're looking at an upcoming launch in Canada. What we've been doing you know, over the last few months uh, is really leveraging work for about six years. that has been done in Israel okay. with Kronos Device Labs and actually focusing on you know, safety, quality, what the ingredients are. Uh, our, our brand will launch under first is spinach, which okay. you know, we, we picked the name because we wanted to make sure it was. You know, we're being very responsible uh, and well, know, not attractive children. Kids don't like but spinach. But have
1: vape sales been affected in the last few
5: weeks? So Canada, we actually ha- we're waiting for the derivative product launch. So we actually haven't been able to to start sales. So, okay. All right. So give me. Um, you've got a
1: terrific guy who's a consumer packaged goods guy. Is your chief innovative officer? Is he behind? I know Lord Jones established brand, but is he behind the strategy of making it so that you're disrupting a two hundred and fifty billion dollar consumer packaged good business?
5: He helps us with, yeah, with, with innovation. Is Mondelez last where he's been in some great places? Mondelez, yeah, uh, Pillsbury. Yeah. And one of the things he's been been great at launching products like Belveda is focusing on functional benefits. And when you look at really what the brand equity is built off of, why people want to want to see these new brands, it's, it's the functional benefits you can get from cannabinoids. Right. And so having actual functional uses, building that into the products, that's what's ultimately going to differentiate. Well,
1: how has this become the only brand name that anybody knows? I'm not kidding. There's lots of different companies. This is the only brand in the industry.
5: Well, that's why it was attractive to us. There's right. a lot of CBD companies, yes. very few CBD brands, and it just comes down to you know, where you're focusing in, in the value chain. And one of the things that we loved was, you know, these aren't products. And, you know, try some. This is not what you're thinking of when you think of CBD. People think of how much hemp are you growing or how right. you're extracting it. You no, know, so here. You no, know, this is what
1: people use instead of Icy Hot.
5: Yeah. Right.
1: You know, and I found that you know, because I am the spokesman for uh, the American Migraine Foundation, I have to tell you, this is what you do if you have a migraine. This is exactly what they tell you to do. I mean, you, there was nothing to do before that. I mean, I'm not kidding. I mean, this is what you do. And There's 30 million people who who will use this once people realize that it's the only thing that does work. Now let me ask you why I have this in my hand.
5: Well, I think um, that's right, that the
1: product. No, no, I'm not kidding. I'm not brand. kidding. I, yeah. Look, I'm the spokesperson, yeah. and it, it is the only thing that works. We all know it, but we're all afraid, afraid to talk about it. Even though they are using it, it's no THC. There's no issue. It's legal. But people are still afraid. Now, let me ask you. Um, Mer- Mer- Becca America, Lynch t- talked about this acquisition and said that you had a, a, you and another director uh, had an interest in a company called Gotham Green Partners, which had an interest in Redwood Holdings. Now, how do you know that that's a, an even deal for Kronos versus this company if you have a
5: stake in it? Sure. So, Gotham Green's uh, it's now the largest cannabis venture fund. It's a fund that one of the other directors and I, Jason Adler, started. Okay, uh, and. You know, we, as we disclosed, we went through the you know everything by the book. So mm-hmm. we actually created a independent uh, special committee of directors okay. uh, who led the negotiations, diligence, and made the decision. So they didn't
1: want stock though, because I you gave, you know you gave them cash. And I would have taken stock in Kronos.
5: There's, there's some stock given. We're, we're pretty focused on, on dilution. You know, we especially with okay. the levels we look at. We, you know, we wanted enough that we can incentivize the founders. It's an amazing team, right. and we want them to be in the same vested position. Uh, but one of the advantages we have is that our currency uh, is primarily cash and being able right. to use that currency. Is, well,
1: speaking of cash, how's Altria? Are they happy? Are they good uh, advisors? Because they've been through every single war. I mean, you know, you talk about this being controversial.
5: It's not. It, <laughs> what they do is, how are they helpful? Oh, they're extremely helpful. Yeah. You know, we're a, we're a young company that's focused on innovation, right. focused on brands. And what we're trying to do is take a, a industry with a regulated crop, certainly controversial, and right. turn that into... You know, a, a global industry. And when we met with Altria, what we saw is this is the company that for over 100 years has also taken a regulated crop, right. and they've become a manufacturing, distribution, and, and brand powerhouse. And being able to take our inputs, our IP, and plug that into that machine is, is really exciting. Well, Mike, i got to
1: congratulate you as I get my stuff off. You've done a terrific job, and I know that the whole industry's been hurting, but that doesn't mean that there won't be a comeback someday, and what will lead it are brands. And you two have the best. Thank you. Hey, thank, you. thank you so much. Chairman, president, and CEO of Kronos. Look, every one of these stocks is down. I know a lot of you are upset that they're down, but you know, these are speculative stocks. That's what you get when you speculate. They have money's back after the break. When the Dow was down 200. I went on Twitter and said, let him panic, let him sell. You got to do some buying. And you know what? What can I say? Once again, the traders are just wrong. They are not considered. They don't think. They just act. You be the opposite and do the opposite. Like I said, there's always a bull market summer. I promise I'll find it just for you. Right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer and I will see you
4: tomorrow.